Pour yourself a sweet tea, pull up a lawn chair, and turn the page with us. You're listening to Right on Mississippi, a podcast taking you inside the minds of America's most treasured wordsmiths. I'm Ebony Lamumba, and Right on Mississippi is produced in partnership with Mississippi Public Broadcasting for the Mississippi Book Festival, the South's Literary Lawn Party. This is Sarah Story, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission, and we're here today recording live from the Mississippi Book Festival in Jackson, Mississippi. And we're joined by Joshua Wynn, a poet and an incredible writer, and he's getting his PhD in poetry. Yes. Poetry at the University of it's Mississippi. It's very serious. <laughs> <laughs> the most serious. So we're glad, so glad that you're here. Thanks for having me. This is your first Mississippi Book Festival. It is. Very homey so far. Uh, I got in right at 9 a.m., so kind of frantic trying to find my badge and everything, but so far, lovely, lovely volunteers. Um, they've been very helpful. Good. That's so. awesome. Yeah, it's uh, quite the chaos outside of this <laughs> quiet little library that we're in it's right nice now. It's nice to be in the serene little space. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a different different feel. So uh, we're here to talk a little bit about your new book, Come Clean. Mm-hmm. So you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So Come Clean, um, it's a poetry collection, and it has this idea of a speaker trying to organize and compartmentalize a lot of past trauma and like sad emotion. And the metaphor is that the speaker does it also through physically cleaning and organizing um, and doing other domestic duties around the house. Uh, So there's two types of, you know, organizing happening in this book. So organizing is a big part of uh, the inspiration for the speaker. That's really interesting. So what what is it about organizing that uh, <laughs> that interested you? Um, I think in real life I'm, I am I love, you know, cleaning. I'm a very uh I'm a person who loves to spend the weekend just like scrubbing the toilet down. I lo- I find scrubbing the toilet very serene and very peaceful for some reason, and I think I wanted to channel that kind of energy for this book, especially since, like, the book is dealing with a lot of heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, what best way to think about heavy, sad emotions than through the process of everyday um, activities you do around the house? I think because everyone can relate to that, um, the idea of, like, you know, cooking and then feeling really emotional for some reason. I think a lot of a lot of emotional moments in my life have come around like a dinner table, for example. Mm-hmm. So I do associate uh, the quotidian or the domestic with a lot of heavy, sad uh, emotions. Well, what's so fascinating, like as you're talking about this, I, I think the, the listener would think, oh, well, this is a very serious book, but it's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's like it is heavy and you've covered yeah. so many like very important um, hard topics, but mm-hmm. then it's also funny. Like I laugh out loud <laughs> when I listen to you read and when I've read your poems. So, yeah, I think um, you know the idea of laughing through the pain. I, I grew up um, in Houston in the in a spoken word slam scene where to to stick out, I tried to disarm the audience by kind of presenting myself with a lot of jokes and humor up front, so that the audience can you know loosen up relax and once they've done that hopefully they'll listen to all the serious poetry that also happens in the second half of a poem for instance um so i think that 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 kind of upbringing of literary tradition i you can find that in come clean there's a lot of poems where just from the title 
it's very funny and it's kind of disarming and you're kind of unsure where it'll go um and hopefully it just like allows you to enter the poem easier if like some serious stuff happens yeah that's really cool so you grew up and you started writing when you were a kid i started writing at 13 years old i uh i i got started because my english teacher in high school freshman year she had this whole poetry unit where we you know read poetry watch a lot of Def Jam poetry, the old <laughs> HBO special. And um, she had this mock poetry slam at our high school. And she said, well, if you if you participate, we'll give you extra credit. So I knew she wrote my first ever poem for extra credit in an English class. And it ended up getting second place. But then the first place winner plagiarized. <laughs> was a, you know, you should never do. Um, no. So then I got first place. And then I got to... I got to go to these writing workshops in downtown Houston, and I went like three days a week in the summer. Wow! And that, and I got to write with other youth around Houston, and that was like how I started writing, and I and I got to form a a Houston literary community at an early at an early age. It was really important for me. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So then after that, we were talking earlier, and uh, you did not actually originally go to undergrad for poetry no. or writing so t- tell no. us a little bit about why you, you originally went to undergrad i went to undergrad with the goal of becoming a dentist and i was actually a, a biochem major in undergrad um and that's just because i didn't think i was good enough to pursue my my dream of writing full-time um so i you know i i, I studied for the dental missions tests and i did that and then i got a dental school interview and then what happened was that I got my first dental school interview and it just didn't feel right. I didn't feel that much joy. It just wasn't, I could tell it wasn't my calling. So then I, you know, I, I made the the risk and I took the plunge. I was like, you know, I'm just going to focus on my writing and try to pursue my writing full time. And so I, I, I drove to Dallas, Texas from Houston because my friend told me about the creative writing program at Ole Miss. Hmm. But I only had a week left to apply. So I drove straight to Dallas because he had his own apartment. And I just like hunkered myself down for a week. And I applied to the program with like the writing sample and all that stuff. And, uh, and I got in. So really my life changed. And I took the risk and it had one week to try to make that change happen. And I'm so glad that I got into the program at Ole Miss because then my writing just kind of took off from there. And re- really grateful. That's awesome. So what year was that that you, that you went to Ole Miss? Started? I started the MFA in 2017, and I got the MFA 2020, and I stayed for the PhD program. How was um, the MFA program? MFA program was amazing. Um, so yeah, my friend Julian Randall went to the program, and he also grew up in the same uh, very like cozy uh, poetry spaces that I grew up in and he said that if you're looking for that you should go to um, Ole Miss because their career writing program is like that and I think um, one reason is because my mentor right now is Amy Nizuka Matado and she helped cultivate along with the other teachers like a very inclusive like small tight-knit um, literary like program and they don't really, tr- they never try to change my writing. They kind of just, they figured out what I wanted to do. Um, and then they helped me get to that point. 
So never, they never try to shift my writing to like how they would want it. They really try to cultivate what I wanted to do as a poet. Um, so the program has been amazing. And uh, also because I'm, I'm with Amy a lot, she got me more into nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm like looking up more. I'm birding now. Um, so that's like really starting to seep into my writing. Unfortunately, because I used to hate writing about nature um, because I know concept of what that could look like from my perspective but now i'm like really thinking about ecopoetics uh a lot because of the program yeah well i can imagine too houston versus oxford isn't oxford there's just a lot more access to nature yeah you can like walk around more i'm i'm really fond of like the smell of magnolias now Mm -hmm. um even like outside my apartment there's like this tall perch and there's always like a very there's like a bunch of different birds that come by. Like recently, there's like a lot of Mississippi kites mm. on top of the perch. Um, so being in Oxford, from like the loudness of Houston, was really important for me to focus on my writing um, and to really think about my surroundings more, incorporate that into into my writing. I'm obsessed with kudzu in Oxford. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's like very calming to me. I don't know why, but do you ever go to the Whirlpool trails? Yeah, just like if you run or walk down that trail, you're just surrounded by green. Yeah, you just feel like you're like in a green <laughs> hug. It's just the most beautiful thing. Yeah, it's cool in the Whirlpool trails. I've just now started going down the side trails, mm-hmm. and those are. I was very scared at first because the first time I went, it was to see the synchronous butter, uh, synchronous fireflies mm. like at 8 p.m. at night and I was like lost in the whirlpool trails I was really scared but we saw the fireflies and and I was like such a awe-inspiring moment for me um that that is pretty cool because those are hard to see now mm-hmm. like growing up I remember they were everywhere and now yeah yeah it's different well um tell us a little bit about the PhD program so what is what is a PhD in poetry entail uh it basically means you have to, you know, you take a lot of, at, at Ole Miss, you take a lot of literary classes where you just study a bunch of writing of a specific time period or, you know, place. Um, so like last semester, I did a class on eco-poetics where we just focus on mainly like female identified authors who wrote about like nature and uh, the surroundings and how like connect with their body and and things like that and then you know i i have to write a dissertation which is basically my next book um so right now i'm working on my second book of poetry along with a a short story collection um and i get to just like really focus on writing um the dissertation and thinking about how that can connect to some critical component of literature so like my, my my second book Deals a lot with the body, the Asian American body in the South. So I'm also writing a critical paper on how, like, my next book can connect to Asian American poetics or eco- and eco poetics, um, and just Southern literature as a whole. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So I didn't realize you were doing short stories too. Yeah, short stories were my first love. It, I fell in love with writing because of Poe, Edgar Allan Poe, and then we also had like a theater year at middle school where we did all Poe plays. I really love Poe. It was Poe and Fanny O'Connor. Those are like my first two um, favorite authors. And the short story collection I'm writing kind of takes on like, it's way, you know, if if my poetry is funny, my short story collection is way more funny. Oh, good. That's, it's called Ghost of Color right now. And it basically, 
takes like surreal absurd takes on like horror tropes so like imagine Leatherface getting stopped at TSA collections because like their briefcase of like skin mass gets like confiscated <laughs> so that's like the kind of scenarios I'm writing about that's awesome that's exciting mm-hmm. well we're excited for that to come out do you know when it will be finished yet I have like three more short stories so it should be done by the fall and I'll send it out to um, presses probably in the spring awesome congratulations mm-hmm. thank you well do you want to read one of your poems since we have the book in front of us yeah so uh sarah and ellen <laughs> want me to read this very funny titled poem and i think it's an app poem because i think a lot of people across all ages or background you know no matter where you come from you we all have a sense of tummy issues a lot of people have stomach problems i can't do a lot of lactose um, so this is a poem for anyone with tummy issues, but specifically anyone with dairy issues um, and people who can't take spiciness. <laughs> but it's really a poem about overcoming uh, those issues. Uh, this is a poem called, I hope it's not too silly, for MV. <laughs> I, oh my God, I wanted you to read it. I think it's great. Yeah, if, if people think this is too vulgar, blame Sarah. Uh, this poem is called... In the bathroom after eating Flaming Hot Cheetos. I stand from my porcelain throne, feet planted on tile, gaze into the mirror and say, you are the creator. You control your heaven. You prepare your hell. You choose, choose again. Again, you choose to continue to burn your insides. Your heart, heartburn, heartburn, hear self-worth burn, the crackle of your stubborn spleen, of small intestines twisted, perish pretzel, drenched in self-hatred, toxic masculinity, insecurities mass as microbes, cleansed by trial by fire, and purify by boiling, take one hot step on coal. One day at a time. And do not fret, hot head. There's still time to set your whole self on fire. After all, you're still alive. And that is praise enough. And that is flaming hot. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you for reading that. Hope we get sponsored by Hot <laughs> Cheetos now. <laughs> that would be incredible. Um, so what is your uh, what is your writing process like for poetry and for short stories? Is it similar or is it different? Um, they kind of follow the same calendar. I, re- I learned that, you know, some people say they can write every day as like a practice. And I think for me, what happens is that I'll write um, a lot of ideas and titles in my notes app for a short story or a poem. And I would, if I get fixated on a project, like a whole book project, I'll do those titles and ideas and just like one-liners in the big notes section of my phone for like three months. And then I'll let them sit. And then I'll write a full draft of each of those ideas on, a, on my journal or a Google Doc for like one month. And then I'll let that sit again. I'll let that marinate because I need some objective distance from those first drafts so that when I come back probably like three months later I can say oh wow that poem or that short story paragraph was really weak that was really bad why was I thinking that um 
So I, I give myself a lot of distance from the first drafts. I can go back and really edit it and revise it with a clear head and not like um, attached to any particular line. Because mm. um, then in, at that point, it becomes really fast to figure out which drafts to continue on and uh, condense from there. That's really cool. So are you your own harshest critic? Oh, yeah. In writing, in life, um, I I think most of my friends and family know I'm very, like, um, I'm, I feel like I'm never good enough. I don't know if that's imposter syndrome. Um, I, I was taught, but, yeah, I'm never, I'm never satisfied, it feels like. Um, yeah. Well, you're certainly doing really well, and I got to see you earlier this year at the Mississippi Institute of Arts and Letters oh, yeah. Awards when you we were dressed up all fancy. Yes, that was very fun. <laughs> I had, uh, I think, I had too many um, whiskey sours, <laughs> and I was sitting next to Dunlap, <laughs> and there we were just like having a great time with the picture, the big like group picture. And I think they were telling me about like random like escapades with like. Uh, their whiskey and their like fancy coats. I remember <laughs> it was a great time. <laughs> Dunlap always has a good story. That's very true. So, uh, how does teaching play into your career and your studies and writing? I well, I I've done writing workshops for like pretty much all ages. Because after undergrad. Uh, when I was still unsure if I could pursue writing full time, I volunteered or I worked with um, this nonprofit called Writers in the Schools, and they just send like career writing teachers across um, like different parts of Houston or different classrooms. So I, I, I learned how to cultivate like a workshop experience at a really young age. Um, and now that I'm like at the graduate level, you know, I hope to teach at, you know, I mean, academia is very, like, flawed, but I hope to, like, find a good teaching spot somewhere after my PhD to, to teach, because I think I get better a lot when teaching a writing workshop. Like, I taught, like, a writing workshop three weeks ago, and I was writing alongside my students, and it was, it was really, it was a good practice to, like, also to be inspired by the students, and that mm -hmm. inspires me to write, like, good work as well. Um I think that because I work a lot with form and poetry, when I can teach a form, I really get to understand like the nuance of a particular poetic form and like really pull out examples that I, I find interesting. And I try to like, you know, I try to diversify which like authors to look at and I hope to like carve out um, my own inclusive version of what a workshop could be um, in the future. That's great. That's really cool. So mm -hmm. what are you teaching right now? Well, right now, kind of opposite end at Ole Miss, I have to teach uh, just writing 101. Mm -hmm. And so every freshman takes this class. And um, they're basically reading the same book right now, John Green's The Anthropocene Reviewed. So I'm getting prepared to teach that. And I just teach them like how to write a synthesis essay, for example. But outside of the university... I I I'm play, I'm writing kind of like um, a craft based chat book, mm. where I'll also teach this class where you know I want to teach up and coming writers, especially like those who may come from the poetry side, of what happens when like you do get a book picked up and like all like the work that comes from after you sign your contract. There's so much like work 
to do like emailing and marketing and publicity. So mm-hmm. I, re- I really want to teach a class on like preparing first time authors to like be out in the world and how to get into get readings in at bookstores or how to create like a social media marketing plan because all that stuff you don't really learn enough right in like yeah mfa or phd mm-hmm. um so that's like a class i'm really passionate about yeah that's really neat that makes a lot of sense um how did you learn how to do all that <laughs> just <trash? laughs> uh i think i i i learned how to um I learned how to use social media as like a tool, mainly just from watching other like prominent maybe like actors do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one example I go to is Donald Glover because when their um, hip hop album, uh, because the internet came out, they'd had like a whole marketing plan leading up to it, where like they would post like ominous images on Instagram or Twitter, but they also produce like. A website and like a screenplay so it was a whole interactive uh immer- immer- immersive experience mm-hmm. with the album release so i really looked to that album release as like my mantra whenever i produce work where like i wanted i even want the the release of the book and the setup to be like a whole like 3d 4d experience um and then just like thinking about um how to like submit to like presses whether it's like poems or um a whole manuscript i always compare the submitting process like to a casino because i (laughs) I love casinos and i grew up in lake charles a lot Mm -hmm. like because it's like close to houston and my parents would go and like go to the casino like kind of run around the casino floor outside the main main ring and i always say that like you know a casino like there are some games that are better you have better odds at beating the house. Mm-hmm. Not by a lot. So, like, if you know blackjack, if you know how to count cards, and you know basic strategy like me, you have, like, a 3% better chance of beating the house. Same thing with craps. They're, like, basic strategy when you play craps. Mm-hmm. And I compare that to when you're looking for a place to submit your book or a poem. There are some journals and presses that you have better edge at just mm-hmm. because of your aesthetic or what you know. And then... Once you find those journals, um, there's still an element of luck, right? Even in poker, like you can have pocket aces, but they still get cracked once like someone gets like uh, a flush on the river. Um, so I always tell people like, you know, you keep doing the work of writing and editing. That's like your strategy of a of a casino game, and then you perfect your strategy. You you know you increase your statistics. Um, and then when you submit, you know, you may get unlucky still, but that's just like the nature of the game, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I guess I feel, I find comfort in thinking of it in like statistics and like probability. <laughs> that's awesome. That's mm-hmm. really cool. I've never heard it described in that way. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. So um, have you been able to do a lot of readings and public things with the books <laughs> since the pandemic? It came out during the pandemic? Yeah, it came out. So last October... And I was able to secure like 16 readings. I think some half of them in person, half of them virtual. That's great. Um, it was, and the cool thing about the virtual reading was that I got to read with a lot of people I would mm-hmm. probably never get to do across like the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, in person readings, like even doing this is like really special. And you know, it's it's nice to feed off energy from an audience or from someone interviewing you. 
I did an interview with uh, Viet Tan Nguyen, who wrote mm. The Sympathizer. Mm-hmm. And, like, his interview process is that, like, we're all on the 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 call, but then we're all drinking, like, a, some drink that, like, someone, like, prepared, like, a recipe for. So, like, eventually Viet Tan Nguyen is, like, getting more and more, like, loose. And then she just blurts out, why are you in your underwear in your book? <laughs> um, that was a fun, a fun interview. But yeah, and I read at um, the the Wealthy Symposium. That was like one of my first ever readings cool. before like the main book tour, um, and that was like an incredible experience to like be with other Southern writers mm-hmm. and to feel like oh, I have like um, a footing in with like you know I feel I felt I felt like I belonged in the Southern literary community. So Sorry. like the Wealthy Symposium was really felt really important for me to be a part of and just be with other Southern writers and like see Eubanks and like chat with Eubanks and now I feel like I've seen Eubanks like eight different things because <laughs> we're both you know on like a book run right um but yeah that's great so um what are some of your favorite poetry writers your whoa favorite uh top top three all time and my number one is probably Patricia Smith she wrote Blood Dazzler and Blood Dazzler is like an amazing poetry book I always turn to and I think that book she does a good job of thinking about persona and how to like um, write persona that's not, like not cheesy and how to like carry it throughout a whole poetry collection. Uh, there's a poet named Zui Doan or Zidwan, and um, they wrote this book called We Play a Game. It was the first time I saw someone cleverly or first time, yeah, I saw like Vietnamese uh, writing with English writing. Mm. And my own personal reading experience. I'm sure it's been done before, but it was the first time I saw it. And then that really opened up the game for like how I can incorporate Vietnamese in my writing. Um, and right now, I'm a big fan of Chen Chen. Chen Chen, uh, recent book, is really funny and really thick. But it's, it's very, it's pop culture heavy. And it's a called... Um, your emergency contact has experienced an emergency and like that, you know, it's funny That's and so that, clever. <laughs> that kind of humor is embedded kind of throughout that collection. And, you know, kind of like we were talking about earlier, the humor disarms you mm. and then you're able to like, really feel all the feelings. So, yeah. What else inspires you? Like, is, is there musicians or filmmakers or do you look to other genres? Uh, I mean, one musician that inspired Come Clean was Mitski. Mm, Mitski cool. is this musician, and they have a good job. They do a good job of writing really, like, ponit- like very, like, pure emotion through very, like, seemingly simplistic lyrics. Um, but the way, like, the, her albums are constructed are really complex, and they have a lot of arcs, kind of like a poetry mm-hmm. book. And... Um, because this book deals with like cleaning and like the domestic, there are a lot of lyrics I could turn to with Mitski where she also talks about like the domestic and the cleaning and all that stuff and how it connects to her emotional process. So that's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, thanks so much for being here. This has been really yeah. fun. And tell us where people can find you: social media, your website, etc. You can find me at so my website is joshuawin.com, but there's a hyphen between Joshua and Wynn and Wynn is spelled N-G-U-Y-E-N um, my social media handles are all the same it's Joshua Wynn 03 awesome. 
Well, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for interviewing me. Right on Mississippi is produced in partnership with Mississippi Public Broadcasting for the Mississippi Book Festival, the South's literary lawn party.